Hello, and it looks like we are live on YouTube here. Let me just uh, check and see if we are... Oh boy, I hope we're getting sound here. This is... Uh, audio is good? Okay, good. All right, so for whatever reason, we've got it turned off there, but good. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Always nervous about the sound, even when we test and test and test before everything gets going. So excellent. We are good to go. As you can see, I am joined this week by my beautiful wife, Melissa. Hello. <laughs> and uh, we are doing this live because why not? Live is always um, more anxiety uh, filling, <laughs> but fun at the same time because we get the direct interaction and I love doing that. Uh, plus, I wanted to offer some proof of life of Melissa because <laughs> I thought some of you might wonder, uh, oh, hey, thanks, New3, for that uh, little super chat there. Thank you. Um, anyway, yeah, because I thought, you know, some of you might be a little suspicious that she wasn't appearing on Wednesday when we did our call-in show and, uh, <laughs> thought my cover story might have been a little weak. <laughs> so, anyway, hey, Denmark. Hey, New Zealand. All right. All is well. Okay. Now we, um, had some, oh yeah, there's our little alert box, uh, with the, uh, super chats there. Hey, Los Angeles. All right. Well, we have already started getting questions in, and uh, this is a Q&A show, so, um, so I think we're going to get to the questioning. Um, I wanted to, let's see, did I want to say anything um, specific beforehand? Um, no, let's just get to your questions. <laughs> okay, so... Uh, the first one that I saw up here, uh, oh yeah, how are you, you want to tell them how you're doing? Uh, I'm doing a lot better. I still have a teensy-weensy bit of sick feeling, but I'm doing a lot, lot better. Cool. Yeah, it's been a little bit of, uh, ups and downs on, on all of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, what we're happy about is that there isn't any real, uh, COVID-19 symptomology as Yeah, I mean, as... there is a couple things, but nothing... Not too much respiratory stuff. Right. So we're hoping that things will just keep being smooth and yeah. it'll just be a little couple bumps in the road as opposed to a boulder. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. So that's uh that's how she's doing. Um all right, so we're just gonna start. Hey Flint, glad you're here with us. Your R two D two is unbelievable, dude. I mean, off the charts yeah. amazing. This guy, Flint Reed. It's out in the UK, and he uh, produced that Han Solo blaster, which I had featured on my wall for a very brief moment uh, before <laughs> before people got a little upset about it, pointing at my head or whatever. <laughs> um, I'm still trying to figure out a way to get it back there so that it still can be shown because it's a beautiful piece of work. But he went on to create a full, life-size, uh, original, old-school, cool R2-D2, like, right out of the first Star Wars, and it's awesome. So, Flint, there's your shout-out, because you deserve it. Now, you asked a question here also, which is both of you, uh, both of us. Yeah. So, which is the best Star Trek captain and why? I'll take this question, because I'm about Star Trek all day long, but what do you think, baby? Well, I'll probably get a lot of flack for this original lovers but i i love captain picard that's what i grew up on was the next generation so <laughs> all right <That's> my favorite <laughs> and um i of course um am kirk and i think that <laughs> i think it's just a multi-generational uh -huh, thing uh -huh. you know i don't i don't know that it's really like that kirk is really truly better than picard or vice right. versa i think it's just that's who she grew up with that's mm -hmm. who i grew up with you know um trying to just tiptoe around all that controversy because <laughs> I could easily start becoming fanatical about that. That is not <laughs> difficult for me to go, you know, through all you people. It is Kirk, period, you know. <laughs> all right. Uh, okay. And then Orange Crush, uh, let's just go down the line here. Orange Crush is asking us, how about addressing the Karen question? Does she still believe in Scientology or has she moved on and now acknowledges it's a con? All right. So I will I will speak to this without having to get into, uh, you know, any of this other nonsense. I will say that as, as far as my experience with Karen goes, 
And what she has told me directly and repeatedly is she is not and has not been auditing or using Scientology, doing independent Scientology as a practitioner for, for years now. And how many years? I don't know. You know, she's out in L.A. I'm here. I talk to Karen infrequently at best. So she told me that. I believed her, and that is really the only claim that I'm making as far as any truth claims about any of that. As I said in my original answer or, or statement on all of this, she told me that, and I believe her. And if you watch the video that I made about the death of her son, I think it's called like a Scientology tragedy or in, in three acts or something like that, um, that is, oh, hey, thanks for the super chat, Flint. All right, man. Um, if if you watch that video and you see what she says and 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 her sort of uh, statements, I guess I don't I don't know if testimonials is the right yeah. word, but what she says there, it is crystal clear that um, that she is over Scientology and she knows that it was Scientology and and her uh, mistakes with it that contributed directly to the death of her own her only son. And um, and I'm just not down with, you know, beating on trauma survivors in any direction for for much of any reason. And that's why I just kind of like, could we just move on from this drama anyway? So that's um, my answer on that. All right. Who was the architect of uh, Steve Wood asks, who was the architect of LRH's death announcement at the Palladium in 1986? And how on earth did all those people buy that story, which was so obviously a ploy to keep the money flowing? Uh, from the outside, it definitely looks like a ploy to keep the money going. But from the inside, and I will, uh, will just keep stressing this because this is how it is, um, people want to believe. They need to believe. And people, people believe what they need to believe. Uh, you know, I used to say, that people believe what they want to believe. And, and from a certain point of view, that's true. I hold to that. But I, I think it's a more impactful and maybe more accurate statement to say people believe what they need to. And I was actually talked to Rachel about that, and she agreed. Um, and so when you have someone who you revere, who you almost, not exactly as I understand it, but, but almost worship, like almost or like, you know, you're in awe of this person. You can't believe the amount of things that they managed to pull off and accomplish in their life and all of that. And then they die. Well, you know, you'd want to believe that the mythology that you've bought into maintains and is continuing to be true. And that is that he's flitted off to Target 2 or whatever, and he's off doing research and you know, he did. And, and none of the data that we have now about what happened when he died, none of that was available at all to any of those people at that event. The only source of information about L. Ron Hubbard for years was the Church of Scientology. So um, and that's where Scientologists got their information from. So that's why they believed it. And I'm pretty sure the architect of that whole thing would have been um, David Miscavige and um the other, you know, the other people who were on that stage, the Earl Cooley, the the non Scientology lawyer, I'm sure played a big part in that. And um, but everybody who was on that stage knew what actually happened, <laughs> and they, you know, uh, created that that uh, myth anyway. So, all right, let's move on here. I think we've answered how how super Mel chat. is feeling. Oh, did we get another super chat? Yeah. Yay. Love them super chats. Oh, yeah, there we go. Okay, good. Keep going. Lowing down. Oh, hey, thanks, Chad. All right. I love super chats. All right. <laughs> uh, but let's. I love questions even more. Let's get back to them. So um, let me whip out my glasses here. Um, all right. Audio's good. Da, da, da. Don't listen to anyone else. That's right. Great to see you both. Hey, LA. Okay. Oh, Andy. Andy H O two seven asks, uh, does Scientology care more about ideology or making money? Scientology is a money making scam at its heart. That that is what it is. If if you break it all down and you go past all the smoke and mirrors and everything else, mm -hmm. it's there to make money. 
enrich the founder or leader. And that's it. Everything else around it, the ideology, the belief system, the mythology, all of it, it's very intricate. It's very convoluted. It's very complicated. But it's all smoke and mirrors. And really, it's all just a, a shakedown. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, somebody, oh, dude, did you think, did you think we thought you had shellied her? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you guys are hilarious. All right. Uh, hello from TGAC, England, Portugal, Tokyo. God, I just love doing this show. All right. Um, let's see. I need to text you this week with an update. Chris will explain my absence. Cool, Steve. Please do. All right. Um, why do you have your call-in show when it's 3 a.m. in Europe and this live Q&A on this time? Oh, Fred asks about the timing on things. I did the call-in show timing for Wednesday at 7 o'clock our time because um, I didn't want to cut across friends of mine who have shows already on the weekend that are call-in shows, live call-in shows. So uh, on a regular basis, you know, the live Q&As we do sort of, you know, every now and again, we, you know, every month or two, I, I decide to do one. Was that another super chat? Yep. Yep. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, but I didn't want to make it a regular thing and get into competition with them. And that's why that is that way. At some point in the future, I might switch it over and switch the podcast to Wednesdays and switch the call-in show to Saturdays. Um, but that's why. Um, oh, yeah, there we go. Preacher 1138. So that's why the the scheduling is the way that it is, right or wrong, good or bad. It's just how I chose to do it and try to get it going. So, all right, uh, Newfoundland. Wow. wow. Okay. Um, thoughts. Oh, I wish I could speak to that. I've only seen headlines about the Hana Kimura, um, Japanese female professional wrestler. Suicide. I I I don't know mm. anything about that in order to be able to comment yeah, on it. Yeah, I don't either. But that's... yeah, it really does. Never, uh, never a good time. Um, I'm sorry. I wish I could speak more directly to that. Um, if there's a more broad question on that topic or something, maybe we could talk about that. But I can't speak intelligently about that issue at, about that matter at all. Um, Phil Acoustic Chaos asks. Do Sea Org members buy clothes on base or do they have to go off base? Um, uniform parts are provided by the Sea Org on base. There's a uniform exchange um, and a uniform in charge whose whole job it is to uniform the crew. And then um, underwear, socks, regular, normal clothes you buy yourself uh, off base. They don't have huh. regular clothes on base. At least they didn't when I was there. Okay. Um, Oh, Sean says he likes the podcast about wokeness this week. Am I planning on having James Lindsay back soon? Uh, I, I can. Absolutely. I love talking to him. And uh, and there's certainly no shortage of other things to talk about diving down that rabbit hole of uh, critical theory. And I, I, I'm fascinated by it myself. And I, I, I got to get Melissa up to speed on them because um, uh, then we'll both be on the same yeah, page yeah. on it. But. Yeah, I, d I definitely plan on having uh, Dr. Lindsay back as a guest. All right. Um, <laughs> Flint R2D2 says boopity boop. <laughs> That's awesome, man. I tell you, this that, that R2D2 is really yeah, it's something else. You showed else. me that picture. That was pretty neat. Yeah. Yes, that's right. The gun's based on the German Mauser. I knew that. Um, back when I was a kid, you guys might find this amusing. I don't know, or completely boring. I'm not sure, but. <laughs> Um, back when I was a uh, kid, I used to go hang out at the Pasadena Public Library, which is a huge library, uh, for like all day Saturdays. I'd just go out, I'd just ride my bike over there and hang out. And I would go to the kids section and I really liked, um, historical stuff, costumes, um, things like, and, and old mythology. I read all the Greek mythology and, and Roman stories and stuff, but I would also go over to the reference section and look at, um, look for that gun because I was really into Han Solo. 
like <laughs> really in the Han Solo. And when I found out that that gun looked just like the German Mauser, I was like looking for all the pictures I could find coming out of World War II of the German Mausers because I just really admired that that style of weapon. Um, just because Star Wars, not because mm-hmm. I was into shooting people. I just, you know, mm-hmm. was, anyway. All right. So moving right along. Um, all these. I'm I'm not, I'm, only, I'm looking earlier on the comment yeah. section. Probably later, they're all like Chris is a nutter. Mm-mm. Um, all right. When DM no education tells parishioners, this is JB on the street asking this. When DM tells parishioners their spiritual journey will crash if they read both sides, do the best or best Sea Org believe him, even though he obviously reads both sides himself. Um. Yeah, actually, it's L. Ron Hubbard who tells them that their spiritual journey will crash. The materials of Dianetics and Scientology are crystal clear on this point of not going anywhere near any connection to a suppressive person. And how that's interpreted in Scientology is that if you are reading things that suppressive people write or watching videos that suppressive people make, then you are connecting yourself to a suppressive person. Mm -hmm. And that connection is what cuts your spiritual progress in Scientology, your forward progress in life. Because us SPs are all about being not just anti-Scientology, but also anti-social. And so our advice, our, our guidance, our words, everything that we say as SPs is intended, craftily constructed and intended to worsen your life, make you worse, make your life worse. We're leading you down the primrose path, so to mm-hmm. speak. So that's the policy in Scientology and the, and the tech of Scientology. And that's why Scientologists have to avoid connections with SPs. And that's why they can't listen to them. And, um, oh, another super chat. Mm-hmm. Love those super chats. Thank you. Awesome. Which one's that one? From Sandy. Sandy. Thank you, Sandy. All right. So um, I hope that explains that. If not, ask more further questions about it, JB. All right. Last podcast was awesome. Thanks, Alexandria. All right. Picard on TNG. So, oh, place the mic a little closer because they can't hear you so well when you are speaking. She speaks much more softly than I do. I've actually (laughs) got the uh, volume cranked up on her mic a little bit, too. I'll crank it up a little bit more. (laughs) (laughs) Like Star Trek Discovery. Oh, they're going to do a series about Captain Pike. Now, that could be interesting. That could be interesting if they do it right. All right. Great answer. Like you start off with the heavyweight stuff first. All right. Do you definitely the best educating the basics? Maybe you said you want to talk about Karen Long. Karen Long. Yep, exactly. Um, I thought I thought this might be amusing if if I if on the um call in show because I'm actually not going to take up any more mango stuff here. But if it comes up on the uh, call in show, I'm just going to start talking to people in this voice when I'm addressing that issue in any way, shape, or form, and see what they think about that. I don't get to use my voices nearly enough. <laughs> Hope that came across well. <laughs> All right. Thanks for answering my question. You're welcome, Steve. All right. Um, oh, Thomas Angelo is asking me. Yeah, thanks for uh, pursuing this with me, Thomas, because I did see your screenshot. But I don't know what's up with that, because when I go to Charlie Wakeley's YouTube channel, I see my questions to him in the comment section on the videos. I put two comments on his videos, and when I checked back two days ago, they were both still there. I have no explanation to you, Thomas, as to why they're not appearing to you, uh, because they appear to me. That's all I can say about it. Um, Okay, let's see here. Da-da-da-da-da. What was that? Going back up here. Yes, good. Um, Oh, this is a great question. Tower Vault. How did Xenu even know his people had Thetans to be messed with? How were Thetans doing before Xenu messed things up? No one ever asked this question. And it's actually a good question because... 
Hubbard only drops a couple hints to this here and there. I really wish, you know, being a sci-fi writer, you'd think this guy would have created a more complete cosmology. Yeah. (laughs) But he didn't. Okay, so here's what he said. He said that um, there is a galactic council out there that is sort of half aware or half spiritual Thetan being and and meat body. And this galactic council kinds of runs things out there. And then, and I, but I was never really clear how that council was connected with Markab and Markab and Xenu and these, these, the, this Espinol system. These are the names he gave them. He said that there's this united series of, of planets and stars that make up this little cluster of the universe of our, of our galaxy is like 13 um, uh, suns with habitable planets around them. And that was the Espinol star system or the Markab Confederacy. If, I, if I'm remembering all this right, these, are the two, these two things are the same or virtually the same. And there was an awareness back then that you did live forever. And that bodies actually lived for a very, very, very long time. Um, And really, the only way you could get out of having a body was to go get it killed. And so Mm -hmm. there were sports. Hubbard talked about racetracks especially, but there are other dangerous sports where people would throw themselves into these, you know, car races where the cars (laughs) are going a thousand miles an hour and stuff, right? And, and uh, and he told stories about this all in a lecture called The Free Being. And if you can find that lecture somewhere called The Free Being, you are going to hear some amazing fairy tale sci-fi stories. So um, anyway, so there was an awareness of this. Apparently, sex wasn't as big of a thing. Making new bodies was not a huge, huge deal because people lived in their bodies for a really long time. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, Hubbard posits this kind of fundamental difference in society, but then says that they looked and acted a lot like 1950s America with fedora hats, fire trucks, houses, picket, you know, picket fences. Hey, Sean, thanks for that super chat. And a pretty kicked in the head, he called it, kind of society, very similar to 1950s Earth. So you go... How are those two things supposed to go together? Because if we all knew that we lived forever and that these bodies were mm-hmm. very temporary things, yeah, we'd society, behave very differently. <laughs> you think? How do you think we would? How do you think we would act differently if well, we like knew you were that? just saying? If we knew we could just hop bodies, we'd probably be a lot more dangerous. Yeah, I I think we'd be more into danger. Yeah, you know, because if you knew, I, I could I could throw myself off this cliff. Yeah, and, I could fight this bear. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I think, you know, I mean, blood sport would take on a whole oh, different yeah. mor- morality because, you know, you grow a body, build it up Schwarzenegger-like, and then get out there and pummel with other guys mm-hmm. and, until you're dead. But nobody cares because you're just going to go get another body, you know? Yeah. It would be like the death of a TV character rather than the death of a real living person right, as we right. now think of it, you know? I think society would be radically different so that's uh that's my take on that but thanks for asking about that there's a lot of other you know things to know in the scientology cosmology but those are a few of the the things i can tell you out of hubbard's ramblings that um are more to the xenu story than people ever usually talk about Uh, and that's why i always am out there saying look the things you guys know about xenu from south park and all that it's actually only about this much of the story, and there's mm-hmm. a lot more to it. So, all right. Um, huh, bunker shout out. All right. Um, okay. Neon Cat, what are my thoughts on how the city council is handling the Church of Scientology in Clearwater? Um, I expressed this on Twitter this week. The city council of Clearwater is basically. Uh, Scared. They're they're cowards, and mm. it's not like I don't understand why they would be that way. Especially as non Scientologists, unfamiliar with it, except from an outside point of view, where Scientology actually looks even scarier and darker and more foreboding than it really is. 
uh, for us exes, we actually have more inside skinny. We know this, you know, the people involved. We know they're not all that. Um, we know how the fair gaming kind of works. And so it's not quite as scary as it can be to people who don't know about that and kind of wonder where the private eyes are and where mm. are the Scientologists are. They coming to coming to get them, you know, this kind of thing. Um, so I get it, but I still don't give them a pass. I give them no pass whatsoever. Mm -hmm. It is their job to deal with the safety and security of Clearwater. And they are not doing that job if they're not taking on Scientology. So, yeah, kind of my basic take on that. Oh, Preacher's question is beautiful. If R2-D2 and BB-8 got into a fight, <laughs> who would win and would it be a long fight? Well, that's a good question. Yeah. You know, BB-8's kind of resourceful. That's true. I don't know. What do you think? Hmm. <laughs> that's hard. I don't know. Really? Yeah. I, I, think, I think R2 would take him out. But I think BB-8 would have to be into fighting because bb is so He's fast. pretty, yeah. You know? He could just run away. Yeah, he'd just take off. <laughs> like, I'm not into this. Yeah, I don't think R2-D2 could keep up with him. But I think if they were just like... Power to power, yeah. Yeah, if they were just going at it mano-a-mano, um, I think R2 would take him out. I mean, you know, he's got all those little things that he's got in there that he can whip out. I never, by the way, I will take this, I will take this opportunity now publicly to address this question that nobody's ever asked me, that I think it's ridiculous that R2-D2 ever flew. He should never have been granted yeah, the power weird. of flight. That was bizarre. Uh, I think they wrote themselves into a corner or some nonsense. I don't know what that was about. Uh, Jeff Scott asked, do you talk to Mr. Bunker? I do. Um, and I've had him on my podcast twice, which is pretty much where I talk to him. <laughs> but we are Facebook friends, and I have um, had you know some correspondence with him from time to time. Okay. Oh, topic of cyberbullying and a uh, lack of accountability for what we say online is what I was asking about more specifically. Zeb says, great. I'd like, I'd like to get your take on this first. In terms of that Japanese thing, what he's asking about is cyberbullying mm -hmm. and the lack of accountability of that. Okay. Well, I don't know too much about her story, but yeah, with cyberbullying, I think it can be just as awful as, you know, face-to-face -face bullying. And the... I don't know with her specifically, but I know a lot of women that are famous or even semi-famous YouTube stars or whatever, they get a they get some weird cyberbullying. Very I'm gonna rape and kill you kind of stuff. And it's like, how can you see that every day that all these people wanna hurt you and not take that on some level personally and, and you know, maybe do something bad. It's just you gotta be nicer to each other. Don't cause that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. It is impossible to regulate morality mm -hmm. because you're always running two steps behind and people are right. just going to do what they're going to do. So it's um, so somehow we have to change how we have adopted. We need to see change in how we've and how we act online. Yes. I don't you know, we don't act that way in real life unless we're complete asshats. And yet online, we all get to be asshats mm -hmm. and it's OK. Everybody gets a pass and they shouldn't. We've got to bring, you know, this is this even gets to be such a contentious thing that even if even when I say this, you know, I could potentially just get uh, an avalanche of, of, of shit for it. Right. And that is, let's be civil. Yeah, that's like that's like a dirty that became a dirty word somehow. Um, having manners, treating people with respect, understanding that other people have different life experience and different views and education than you do. And they're coming at things from a different point of view. You know, everything's awful. Everything's horrible. If you disagree with me in any way, you are Hitler or Satan or something. Mm -hmm. And we see this. And we see this every day. We all know people who do this. We all know people who do this. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's bad. And I need to practice what I preach just as much as everybody else does. So I, I do. I'm, I'm really trying to make efforts at that. I really am. Um. Because it's hard. It know? is hard. Because it, because it is admittedly a lot easier to hurl awfulness at people, to even cyber stalk them, oh, to yeah. follow them from platform to platform mm -hmm. and give them a hard time, want to ruin their life, and you don't even actually know. 
know this person. You just are convinced that because of some position they hold or some series of statements they made, that they are evil and they must be destroyed. And yes, there are people who are evil and we want to destroy them, but it's not in the numbers that no, we, no. you know, that we act out. That's, that's absolutely true. So that's kind of my shorthand take on it, you know. The other thing about um, this, I don't know, is it really a free speech thing? I, don't... I think, though, with free speech, you have free speech until you start infringing on other people's rights. You know, like, so if you're bullying someone, and I don't know if that's free speech or not, if you're saying things that are that harmful, you know, I don't know. Well, sure. here's well, I'm not a constitutional lawyer. But. Well, you know, my I, I tweeted this this morning and I got to thinking about this as a as a sort of a free speech argument because, um, you know, Dave Pakman was on Rogan's mm -hmm. show uh, a few days ago and um, they were talking about this issue of free speech and what people say and do online. And it's it's just dim distantly related to this question. So it made me think of it. But. I think um, I think what we I think the disingenuousness of of the free speech arguments that are flying around and this is nuanced so you know I'm trying to I'm trying to shorten it but it's like you've you've had the right to say whatever you want whenever you want wherever you want you've always had that right what you don't have the right to is to be free of the consequences yeah, of what exactly. you said Yeah exactly like if we're done If you call some guy an asshole and he punches you in the face well that's what you get Basically <laughs> You know, um, should people be going around punching people in the face because they call them an asshole? No, but you know, you gotta weigh, you gotta look at the situation you're in. You know, mm -hmm. you gotta weigh, you gotta weigh the room. You gotta like figure things out, and uh, and and be appropriate, right, for the circumstance. So, and that seems to not mm. apply online as much. And I and it, it we need it's, to change that. It's so much harder online to get people in trouble because of the anonymity, and uh, yeah. <laughs> too because. You know, anybody can make up a name. It could be the same guy with 40 different accounts that's harassing some chick online, you know, and she doesn't know that. And right. how do you get that guy in trouble? How do you track that guy down? Exactly. And then there's the bots. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a report, uh, like, half of the um, of the uh, tweets that are going out right now about not staying home, about getting out. About half yeah. of those tweets are bots. They're all bots. So we're not even engaging with human beings when we think we are, uh, apparently, with on that topic half the time. <laughs> so, you know, this is another thing that we've got to somehow clear out of the Internet. And I don't know how to do it, in that, but I do know well, that if we don't... It needs to be, like, jail time if yeah. you do that. That's that's how you get rid of that. Well, bots aren't illegal. Well, they should be. Well, that's kind of... I'm, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm wondering about how we should deal with that. That's for sure. Now, I realized we did not throw the chats on the screen so let's go ahead and change screens there so y'all can see the uh comments as we're going all right uh getting back to your questions uh rasha sadine asks have you had communication with scientologists who started showing doubts in their beliefs whether or not they followed up with that a, a couple over the years i have had a couple still online still active scientology actually more than a couple Probably two hands. I think I could probably count it on two hands. Number of people who are still actively doing services in Scientology, not under the radar, but actively still doing stuff, who have contacted me and talked to me about stuff. It's few and far between, but it has happened. Um, okay. Nobody home here asks. In LRH's axiom number one is the static. He says that life is the same as saying life is nothing meaningless, yet can perceive and create meaning. Um, I guess from a certain way of looking at it, a static is a, is nothing. It doesn't, it, I always say it doesn't exist in physical universe terms. Um, it doesn't have, there's no matter or energy connected with it in any way. It doesn't exist in space and time the way we do. It's, it's beyond all that and creates all of this through consideration or postulates or thought. So meaningless Ultimately, yeah, Thetan has no significance connected to him of any kind. He doesn't exist in the physical universe and yet has existence through awareness. Hubbard also calls Thetans an awareness of awareness unit. 
they're aware of being aware. So what may make, make of that what you will. Um, okay, Orange Crush asks, when you were uh, the naval uniforms in public, oh, when we wore the naval uniforms in public, did you feel pride or a sense of embarrassment or neither? Uh, both, actually, I'll say both, depending on the, on the situation. But most of the time, a little embarrassed. I always wondered if I always felt like a little bit of a faker. And uh, I was definitely afraid of running into other military. And I did oh, have, yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I'd be wearing this class A with the chain and the ranks. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I, I, there was one guy, another recruiter who used this line in public. And I always sort of laughed, but thought it was a good line. <laughs> and I used it a couple of times when people would ask what, what branch of the military are you with or whatever, I'd say, I'd say, um, special, special peacekeeping forces. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yes i said that it's awesome so yeah um chad b asks any thoughts of an interview with chuck Beatty? yes i have actually tried chuck himself admits that he is a very difficult interview because he he talks a lot <laughs> and he, he he said this i'm not i'm not you know, casting shade at Chuck. He is amazing. And I wish I could just get in there and with an ice cream scoop or something and just like take all the knowledge he's got because it's just legion uh, what that guy knows about Scientology and his experience with stuff. And he's read stuff none of us have seen. Um, but, and that hasn't leaked out of the church ever and may, may never will. Um but he's difficult to interview. I did actually try, and I actually had to stop the podcast because it just wouldn't go uh, in any way that was going to really work. So, you know, Jeffrey Augustine interviewed him one time. He got him on a podcast, and he did a pretty good job. So I recommend checking that out. Um, but that's why I haven't had him on my channel. Um, how's... How is the, how is the, oh, Neon Cat asks, how is the foundation doing lately? Are there many people trying to leave the Church of Scientology in the past few months due to COVID-19? I, I do not know. I'm not officially connected with the Aftermath Foundation. I only endorse and promote it because it's a good thing to do. Um, but I don't know their inner workings or how many people are contacting them or what's up with that. And, um, and I'm not in regular communication with the Aftermath board members to find out. Uh... Oh, yes. Um, L. Ron Hubbard asks, Chris, can you comment on latest St. Hale telephone conversation? This is in, re yes, I can. This was in, um, this question has to do with uh, a Tony Ortega post where uh, Phil Jones was uh, recorded a conversation he had with a Scientology staff member who called him, a Sea Org member from oh. St. Hill in the UK. Phil and Willie Jones have been declared. Their kids are disconnected from them. And that they're calling him to talk to him about Scientology, not knowing he's a declared SP. Oh, no. So, yeah, shenanigans ensued. And Phil decided to record the conversation. And he challenged this guy. And he didn't tell him straight off who he was or what he was that he was a declared SP. He just strung him along and got him to admit that or got him to basically say that disconnection from his kids is basically fine. And, you know, Scientology's in the right and all that. So, um. I just, my, my simple comment on it is that it is a beautiful demonstration of an extremist mindset that doesn't appear to be by the way that it sounds and, and looks, you know, calm, mild mannered, nice man, just calling to get in, in communication, see how things are going. It doesn't sound like this crazy that it's coming from a, a crazy place, but right. it is, you know, that guy's like, he's totally lost the plot. Um, but he's absolutely convinced as the Scientologist I'm talking about, obviously, uh, is absolutely convinced that, that black is white and up is down that, that disconnecting from your own kids or your kids shunning you is, is a really, really great thing to do simply because you decided that you didn't want to do Scientology anymore. That's nuts. Yeah, you know? it is. But that's, that's what it is. Okay. <laughs> uh, Jeff Scott, looking forward to walking to the Auckland org with your t-shirt on. 
take pictures. Send me, send me pictures. Oh my so I God. See it. Yeah. Yeah. Pictures are, or it didn't happen. Um, okay. Gina Ocker asks, what do you think about the racketeering of church Scientology down in Clearwater? I think a lot about it, Gina. In fact, I've done a whole podcast about it or two or three. Check out my Sensibly Speaking podcast with Mark Bunker and with Jeff Wassel about Scientology and their takeover of, of Clearwater. We talked for hours about this, and I had a lot of thoughts about it, so I don't want to do that in injustice by trying to summate that into two sentences right now. It's There's a lot to be said about that subject. It's, uh, it, you know, it, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, oh, Keith Lee asks, what do you think of to- new Tom Cruise's movie being filmed in outer space? Oh. Mm. He says, I How hate to admit, but I'm really looking forward to it. That's interesting. I didn't know that he was doing that. How are they going to do that? With Elon Musk's help. Oh, of course. Of yeah. course. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. What do you think? Maybe he'll die. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want Tom Cruise to die in space, okay? <laughs> Jesus. I don't right. know. That's so weird. I feel like that's so dangerous, you know? Like, someone could get hurt. Or... Hey, Teresa, thank you. I don't um, know. Yeah. I guess there's a first time for everything, though. Yeah. Um, I don't, like, Is it just going to be like in a spaceship, or is it going to be like, okay. Yeah, he's going up into space to shoot up there. Wow. Yeah. And um, I think that I think that it fits Tom Cruise's personality to a T that mm. he is bucking to do that. And I am surprised and disappointed, not surprised, disappointed, though, that Elon Musk would work with him and help him to do that. But Elon Musk is a bit of a mad scientist, mad genius type. Um, and. I don't really trust him any farther than I can throw him, even though I really, really like some of the ideas that he has. And I really like that he is able to make some of those ideas come into fruition. I am very concerned about his moral compass. Um, Anyway, so yeah, Tom Cruise in space. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, somebody had to do it first. So of course Tom Cruise is going to step up. I mean, really, that's like, you know, and... You know, I I can't just be black and white about Tom Cruise anymore like I like I kind of wanted to be and and have kind of kept myself being for a while if that makes <laughs> sense. Um cuz even I have to admit Tom Cruise, you know, sets up some charities that are pretty amazing and um oh, another super chat. Thank you. <laughs> um and he does do some good work. But um, I still can't stand to watch his movies. It's hard. And yeah. I still can't stand the guy as a person. I just can't, you know. Um, but if he inspires other people to do good and do better in life and that kind of stuff through some of the work that he's doing, then I can't knock that. All right. Um, your comments are shadow banned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get out, Keith. All right. Um Fred Flogiston, are people still leaving Scientology on a great number like a couple of years ago? I don't think so. I think we are now. This is just totally, Fred, I'm going to tell you, this is 1000% my psychic powers here, okay? I, <laughs> you know, I don't know. But I, my sense is that, um, that within the world of Scientology, they really have kind of shrunk down to their most extreme core. And the family and friends of that extreme group of people who cannot or just simply will not disconnect from them or won't say anything or or go out of the church because they don't want to lose their family and friends. Mm-hmm. And I think that's pretty much where it's at now is it's gotten down to like that kind of group. Sure, new people come in and people leave still on a daily basis, but I don't think we're seeing floods of people leaving anymore like we did when it was being so heavily exposed. I think that we got the mileage we wanted to get from that exposure, and we've stopped a whole lot of people from going in. Mm-hmm. But I don't, um, I don't see waves of defectors at, at, at this time. I could be totally wrong, though. You know, it's just the sense that I get. All right. I uh, forgot who the SPs are. Long time trying to hear the SPs. 
Okay. Um, you can see, but no one else can. Oh, okay. Thomas, thank you. Uh, he's telling me to check the comments on another account. Oh, okay. All right. I'll check it out. Thank you. Um, don't know if that's a... Didn't know that that was possible, so I will check that out. There's another super chat. Oh, okay. Uh, Sean's and... Negaduck. Mm, Negaduck. Thank you. Thank you, Negaduck. <laughs> we got some great super chats. Yeah, we are. are. Awesome. You guys are just awesome. Uh, yeah, Hubbard was no Douglas Adams after That's all. That's for sure. Damn sure. Oh, Douglas Adams. Awesome. Ah, the best. The best. Um, okay, let's show this one. All right, Rasha Sedin asks, are you looking forward to Denis Villeneuve's new Dune films? Frank Herbert had a much more complete cosmology than Hubbard ever did. Yes, he did, and I really hope that they get it right this time. Um, yeah, the... let's just do one voiceover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, amongst many, many, many other things. Let's not do heart plugs. Yeah. Let's do ornithopters <laughs> that actually have wings so they actually look like they're flying. <laughs> not these little stubby things sticking off the sides. I. It's amazing to me that, what is it? It was in the 80s that that movie came I out? So. And I still remember that crap. Because it just assaulted my reality so much. When <laughs> when David Lynch's Dune uh, came out in the 80s, I was in high school, and I went and read the, the book in anticipation of the movie coming out. Love the book. Movie sucked. The only good thing about it was Sting. Yeah. <laughs> I loved Sting. Yes. He was so over-the-top amazing in that movie. Um, they did a sci-fi channel miniseries dune which That's was right. which was a lot better still didn't quite get it and um i don't know from this from the uh preview shots i've seen of the new dune movie um you know i i haven't seen enough yet to know i've only seen a couple of still shots so we'll see i'm looking forward to it i hope that it as is as good as it could be put it that way and I do know, by the way, that there's a whole lot of people out there who absolutely hate Dune and everything about <laughs> it. And I will say that as far as the book series goes, I read the first four books when I was a teenager. And um, so for me, at that time, I'm only left with the impressions I had from, from at that time. Sometimes things don't hold up. Yeah. As we know from going back and watching, you know. All old, kinds of movies, yeah. yeah. Or the $6 million man. You know? Yeah. See, you don't go back and watch the shows of your childhood. You'll don't ruin, do it. You'll ruin your own childhood. <laughs> <laughs> but my memories of Dune and stuff were that the first book was quite good, and it basically went downhill after that. Um, the trilogy was, the first trilogy was, was all right. It ended weirdly. And it just kind of went off into into weird places after that. And I didn't try to keep up after that. So that's kind of my bigger picture look at mm -hmm. Did you ever read the book? No, I didn't. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, they were they were interesting. There were interesting points being made about it. And of course it was written during uh or I think having to do with something to do with the um spice in the books was a, a an allegory for the oil crisis. Oh, okay. If I remember right. That makes sense. Yeah. Frank Herbert is my great uncle. Damn. Wow. Uh, cool, man. Oh, okay. TJ Feeney asks, where does Scientology fall when it comes to suicide? I think they know they're above mental health issues, but wouldn't the all this also believe? Wouldn't they also believe you would just pick up a new body and carry on? Um. Hmm. Where do they stand on it? It's considered unethical. It's considered giving up. It's considered basically being the ultimate victim. And you remember Scientology hates victims. They hate being down tone, right? Like plummeting down the tone scale of emotions. And remember that body death is on that tone scale. It is at 0, 0.0. Um, there are tones below it for you as a spiritual entity, but above 0, 0.0, you have you know, failure and apathy and grief and loss and oh hey, thanks for that super chat, Bert. Um, so you so you it's a very down tone, misemotional, bad thing to do or to go to that area when you should be organizing and setting yourself up and your life set up so that you can succeed, not fail. 
So I think Scientologists would consider it the ultimate failure, the admittance of ultimate failure to suicide. And uh, with that question, we have just made sure that this uh, is demonetized, <laughs> but it's okay. <laughs> it's a good question, and I wanted to answer it. So uh, it won't be demonetized. It'll be limited ads. Someone was saying that they're having trouble when you turn your head hearing you. Oh, okay. I'll try to uh, try to keep the mic more <clears throat> front and center here. All right. Uh, Jeff Scott asks, when I was in the Sea Org, did I ever meet Slappy, um, David Miscavige? Oh, okay. They call him Slappy Miscavige. Slappy. Yeah. Well, it makes sense. He does like to hurt people. He does. Um, <laughs> yes, I met him three times. Uh, I was briefed by him for a few days in a room full of people who were being briefed. That was the first time I had anything to do with him. And then another time I had a correspondence with him after he popped in and did a surprise inspection of the uh, CLO where I worked. And he made a recommendation to me about my training. And then he and I corresponded about that because I had some questions about it. Um, and then I passed him in the hall one time. <laughs> Another time he was on the on the base doing a doing an inspection. Uh, all right, R two wins every time. That's right. <laughs> he even had a stick fight with Yoda. That's right. Um, well, there's been like a lot of comments about seven on here. Should oh yeah. I, should I grab him? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll answer the next question here. Um, do Scientologists have a hard time? This is Sean O'Callaghan asking. Do ex-Scientologists have a hard time letting go of beliefs such as gay people being bad? Um, Chris, did you struggle with letting go of thinking gay people were immoral or wrong? You know what is so funny, Sean, is you need to subscribe right now to my Critical Clips channel. Because I literally, two days ago, posted the clip of the answer to that question on my Critical Clips channel. So go look it up. Go subscribe to it. There's a link to it uh, probably below uh, in the description of this video. And otherwise, just just uh, search Critical Clips on YouTube uh, because my answer is there. And yes, it was hard. Uh, and it was something I had to deal with. And, uh, and people do sometimes struggle with that when they come out of Scientology. All right. Thanks for all that new information. You are welcome. Um, cool. In the Steve. Oh, yes. Okay. JB on the streets is asking about the Steve Fisher video. I think you actually mean the Steve Fishman video. Um, oh, yes. Okay. I think I got that super chat. All right. Anyway, um, I've commented on the Steve Fishman video. The guy's a con artist. He's in jail. And yeah, it's he really took a lot of people for a ride. <laughs> That's with that with those uh, videos. Will you enter? Neon Cat asks, "Will you ever interview Mark Ebner?" That's a good question. I should reach out to him. That's a that's a good point. Um, NC asks, "Do we know whether there are any Scientologists on Clearwater City Council?" Um, there are Scientologists on the Downtown Development Board. Uh oh. Uh oh. Somebody's coming in here and he's struggling. This cat is the most camera adverse cat. I swear to God. He look at this. Look at this struggle. The hey, struggle buddy. is real. Yeah. Hey. Come on, buddy. Oh, poor guy. He's just and and the funny thing is, he's always sneaking into this room. Yes. When when we're not doing this, he can't get enough of this place. He's in here all the time. I have to literally keep the door closed to keep him out of here. But you turn the camera on. You can't find him anywhere. I, I'm thinking, let me know what you guys think. I'm thinking of setting up a separate seven cam. Yeah. So we can just kind of have a camera on him in the living room so you all can just kind of see him sitting around over there <laughs> while we're doing our live streams. All right. Um, so, no, I don't think that there are any other Scientologists on the Clearwater City Council, if I remember right, but they are on the Downtown Development Board. Um. Do I think Mark, JB on the streets asked, do you think Mark Bunker will ease off on Scientology so he can't be accused of being a bigot? Um, no, I do not think Mark Bunker is going to ease off on Scientology at all. And I, and I wish him nothing but um, success in, uh, in, in changing the minds of the other Clearwater City Council members so they get on board. Um, okay, Doom novels. No, I've not read the Doom novels. Okay. Yes, <laughs> the Clearwater City Council has too many miswitholds, obviously. Yes, Preacher, you just nailed it. 
Okay. Um, bizarre. Do, do, do. Any thoughts on my Scientology movie? Oh, Sean. Yeah. Hey, man. You need to check out my um, my channel. I think you're I think you're kind of new here. Um, I not only have some thoughts about Louis Theroux's My Scientology movie, I did a whole movie review of it. So check out that video on my channel because I had a lot of thoughts about it. And it's kind of nuanced. Actually, again, I don't want to just try to summate it into two sentences here. It was it was a good effort. But check my movie review on that. Um, oh, here's a question for you, babe. Oh. Abe S. asks if I'm a good cook. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I do like his cooking. I like the recipe we did of Carolyn's, too. That was really good. I like your steaks. Yes. Yes. <laughs> a friend of ours, the woman who, uh, the, the couple who catered our wedding, has started a YouTube channel. Um, Quarantine Cooking with Carolyn. Yes. So um, so you can look that up. But she's doing recipes like almost every day. Mm -hmm. She's putting a new video up. And she um, she did these, uh, these uh, what was that? It was um, some kind of um... Parmesan. Pork tenderloin. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, so tasty. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which, okay, let's see here. John Coleman. How do people like Chick Corea and other high-profile Scientologists still use Scientology when they know of all the abuses that are going on? They don't know about all the abuses going on, John. That's the key to this, is that they are kept in a bubble, and they keep themselves in a bubble. Mm -hmm. And any abusive behavior that is reported on are, is nothing but a pack of lies. David Miscavige never did that. L. Ron Hubbard was a great man. How dare you tarnish his good name? I won't hear anything else about it. That's how they deal with the criticism and content of, that we've been putting out there about Scientology so they can stay in the headspace. And Chick Corea is OT8. He's at the top of the bridge. I mean, the guy is all in and has been for decades. So... They just don't pay any attention to Scientology criticism. And they don't know about all the abuses. Uh, Neon Cat, which actor was your favorite Batman? That's hard. Um, I mean, hard. probably Christian Bale was the best. But, I mean, I do. I will always have a, a special place in my heart for Michael Keaton. And, of yeah. course, Adam West, because you can't, you just can't have Batman without Adam West. <laughs> I don't particularly have such generous opinions of Adam West. <laughs> it was so much fun. I mean, it was a silly, ridiculous show. It yes, it, I, I was an evil child. I actually wanted him to get <laughs> get caught and killed by the bad guys on the old original Batman. I was I was bad. Um, but I would say my favorite actor is absolutely Christian Bale. Yeah. I think he has done. I, I think the Christopher Nolan Batman movies are They're the best. Yeah, they are the definitive Batman movies. Um, all right. Do you have more to say about that? Okay. We're, we're really big on Batman here. Yeah, we are. Yeah. Real big. It'd be harder for you, for me to say who's the better Joker though. That would be, I don't know. <laughs> oh, I, I, I'll fight you on that one. I, I, I definitely think Heath Ledger was. Really? You think yeah, he was the best? Okay. I do. I do. I mean, we just watched. Um, the original 1989 Batman a little Batman. while ago. Yeah, it was great. Because yeah. we, it's see out how of frame. bad it is. Yeah. Oh my god, it's out of frame here. But uh, the we got the Lego 1989 Batmobile. It's, it's huge. huge. I'd pick it up, but it's huge. Um, and then we watched the show, the the 1989 Batman again, mm -hmm. and it, it can't be a little silly. Oh yeah. Um, Fun, but silly. Jack Nicholson was just so over the top. He was so good. He was great. He was so good. But Heath Ledger was just next level. Yeah, he nailed it. He just, uh, I mean, and it's it, it just taking everything that that character is and putting it there. I just, it's it just no other. See, you didn't see like a it. lot of the animated stuff where Mark Hamill was playing the Joker. That's true. That's pretty amazing stuff. Too. That's true. I do need to, I do need to see that. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, let's see here. JB on the Streets asks... Did you give a percentage of your RPF wages towards DM's birthday present? Oh, God. Um, no. You know, as bad as it got um, on the RPF um, with uh, or in the Sea Org with having to give money to David Miscavige's birthday, 
when we were on the RPF, we were getting 11 or 12 bucks max a week because it's quarter pay. Um, and even, even in the Sea Org, they had the good sense to not ask us about birthday presents for COB. But now I'm sitting here hesitating because I do remember a collection being taken up for the RPFIC's birthday. And maybe some people donated towards Miscavige's birthday, but it wasn't mandatory. That's what I remember about that. Yeah, so even on the RPF, we were being asked to donate money to birthdays. Okay, let's see here. I'm trying to, I, I skipped down to the end. Um, oh, here we go. Okay, good. And, oh, JS, super chat. Thank you, man. Or woman, I don't know who JS yeah. is, <laughs> but thank you. <laughs> All right, let's see what else we got here. Um, oh, yeah, we are going into our, uh, we have finished an hour here, so we're going to take like one or two more questions and we're going to wrap up, folks, okay? Um, getting a lot with Scientology promo, good. Oh, okay, here's a question from ex-Scientologist. I've noticed that I've been getting a lot less Scientology promo materials and letters lately. Why do you think this might be? Are there less staff because of COVID-19 doing mailings? Um, hmm. Probably less money for them to be sending out mailings. I think that's going to be an issue for them. Um, that's always a factor. I don't know if you're getting your mailings from international or from the local organizations. You might be getting less because the local orgs are, are battening down the hatches a bit with, uh, without money for promo. That's a guess. Um, yeah. And also sometimes it's kind of funny. Sometimes in the world of Scientology, stuff stops happening, not because of a lack of resources monetarily or even materially, but just because the guy who was doing that job got busted and he hasn't been replaced yet. That happens too. So could be a number of reasons for that. Uh, okay. Money making scam, narcissistic supply. Oh yeah, sure. Uh, smash his name into history. Oh yeah. As far as um, as far as the thing about Elron Hubbard's intent, let's uh, let's go ahead and end on this one. Let's make sure I've got uh, everything else here that I wanted to get. I'm going to miss a lot of your questions, guys, because I know I've been um, taking some time to answer some of those earlier ones. But let's let's wrap up with this, which is Elron Hubbard absolutely positively wanted to smash his name into history, and his version of immortality was getting his name remembered and emblazoned in every piece of paper and, you know, stone monument and everywhere else he could get, you know, his name was going to be remembered forever in history. That's what he wanted. And Scientology was, did become the vehicle that he used in order to achieve that goal or try to achieve that goal. Because, uh, of course, you know, L. Ron Hubbard's not going to be remembered in history the way uh, other famous, really, you know, laudable people are. A um, few generations from now, nobody's going to remember L. Ron Hubbard. But, um, but that was the goal, absolutely. But Scientology was developed um, to enrich him, to, in, you know, to empower him, to give him all the power and glory that he thought he deserved. And that it also became the vehicle for him to achieve his immortality was, you know, big bonus for him. Um, but in terms of talking about Scientology as to what it is, you know, it's a little difficult to explain all that. Oh, well, L. Ron Hubbard, he wanted to smash the name into history and be immortal. And so he developed this church and da-da-da-da-da, boo-boo-boo, blah-blah-blah. It, it's a lot easier and really more directly to the point of what Scientology actually does. To just say, look, it's just a money-making scam. You know, it's not disingenuous. It's not a disingenuous statement. It's an, it's a wholly accurate statement. But you're right. It doesn't necessarily, you know, incorporate all of what L. Ron Hubbard intended with Scientology. So that being said, uh, no love for Jared Leto's, Leto's Joker. Exactly. <laughs> I don't think it was his fault, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. It was not his fault, but at the same time. All right, guys, this has been a lot of fun. Thanks for coming around and um, being part of this. We had a lot of fun talking to you guys. 
and answering all those questions. I hope those were good answers for you. And thank you for your super chats. Please subscribe to this channel and the Critical Clips channel if you're not subscribed to that. Because I tell you, you're, you're, there's some good stuff coming out on that Critical Clips channel almost every single day. Every day that I'm not doing a video on this channel, I'm posting a Critical Clips channel. Uh, clip, posting a clip there. So that's how that works. So seven days a week, mm-hmm. you're getting some Chris Shelton. <laughs> and, and, and you know melissa kind of puts up with that maybe maybe uh, other people want that too <laughs> i don't know anyway thanks for coming around guys and uh and we will see you guys oh tuesday 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 i am doing a special uh live stream right here with seth andrews so that'll be at 10 a.m my time on uh, Tuesday. I will get some more announcements out about it, but that will be happening. All right, guys. See you soon. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.